Hello and welcome to another episode of Cycling Talk Podcast with me, Georgia Mahoney. Today I am joined by American road rider from Team Movistar, Leia Thomas. I'd like to say a huge thank you to Leia for being on the podcast and to Maz and Emma of Bespoke Hem for supporting me and the podcast in arranging this interview. Thank you for joining me today, Leia. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. It's probably going to be the highlight of my week. What are some of your early memories of being on a bike? Um, so for me, my career with cycling didn't happen till after I'd graduated college. So my first memories on the bike were me as a kid, really just racing home from the park, trying to get home before it got dark and I was going to be in trouble for getting home too late or um, getting myself to school, just really simple um, form, using it as a form of transportation. And it wasn't until um, after I had graduated college um, for you guys university that I really started thinking of the bike in more of a sporting aspect. Do you remember the first bike that you were really excited about? Yeah, I remember. So in college, I had joined a triathlon team. And I remember this fierce debate of, do I want to get a time trial bike or do I want to get a road bike? And I knew absolutely nothing about bikes. And uh, I wanted the time trial bike because it was faster. But everybody said, no, 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 you need to get a road bike because you can use it for a lot more things. And so my very first road bike was uh, a low-level felt. I don't remember the exact uh, branding of it, but I loved it and it really um, allowed me to do my first races and kind of pushed me forward into into cycling. I understand that you like gymnastics growing up. Tell me more about that. Yeah so gymnastics was my first sport. I did it probably starting when I was five all the way till I was 18 um, and it was a huge part of my childhood and a huge part of my life. Um, gymnastics requires like cycling, a lot of hours. And so I would spend 25 to 30 hours a week wow. in the gym. And um, my teammates were all my my best friends. And so it was really, really fun for me. And it taught me uh, a good work ethic. It taught me to push through when things get hard. It taught me to um, persevere when things are scary. Um, there's a lot of fear associated with gymnastics. And um, I'm really grateful that that was uh, kind of the backdrop of what I grew up with. Why did you stop doing gymnastics? Um, that's a great question. I uh, ended up stopping. Ultimately, it just got to a point where it wasn't really fun anymore. Um, something that's hard about gymnastics is it it really is tailored toward people who are tiny. So when you're young, it's really easy. And then um, when I was a teenager in high school, I, I grew a lot and it became much more difficult. And um, I no longer looked forward to spending all those hours in the gym, even though my friends were there. And um, I remember the day I decided, like I told my parents I didn't want to do it anymore. And my dad was a little hesitant because um, I think he had a really good running career and I think he cut it short a little early and he was worried I was doing the same thing and um, ultimately I think I really made the right choice at the right time and it goes to show like 
it's really important to think deeply about these things, but also to follow your own path and, and choose what's important for you. Definitely. Yeah. While you were at college, you took up running. What sort of training were you doing for that and why did you stop? So the running I did was, I think if you looked at any runner, they would tell me I wasn't training. I don't know. I like Googled on the internet, like marathon training plan and would follow what it said, (laughs) which was pretty much just run X number of miles a certain day. Um, But I, I loved certain aspects of running. I loved that it was just me. I loved the, the contact of my feet on the ground, like me propelling myself forward. I um, loved the simplicity of it. You just buy a pair of running shoes and you can go out in the rain, you can go out in the snow. Um, where I went to school in Chicago, it snows a lot in the winter, so you can still do it year round. Um, and I really just enjoyed improving, you know. And um, ultimately, I stopped running because I didn't listen to my body and I got really bad plantar fasciitis, which is like pain in the bottom of your feet and your heels and stuff. And it was so bad that it was like hurting to walk and I didn't take the time off that I should have taken off and kind of um, just pushed my body too far. So um, that's kind of what actually led me back to the bike um, more strongly. And um, yeah. Tell me more about how you sort of first got into cycling. Um, so I, I, kept running through my first year out of college. I was a first year teacher and I was teaching um, on the Navajo Native American reservation in the U.S. in the middle of nowhere. And being a first year teacher is really, really difficult. And I used running as like a stress relief. And that's when I really got that bad plantar fasciitis. And, And so I still had my bike with me and I decided, well, I still need an outlet after a long day at work. And um, I would get on my bike, but because it was like the middle of nowhere and I just had a road bike, there was only a big interstate, like a big highway to ride on. And in the state I was living in, you're allowed to ride on the highway. There's like a huge shoulder. And um, so I would just bike up and down the interstate every day after work. And like the school buses would go by me and staff and like my students would wave. (laughs) Um, and, and there I was biking down the highway and I would just kind of do the same ride every day. But, um, I, I really loved the freedom that the bike brought and it really was an escape for me. And that's kind of how it all started. Who did you like to ride with and what sort of training were you doing? When I first started, it was just me. (laughs) It was literally me. And if you went one way, you had a horrible headwind. And if you went the other way, you had a great tailwind. And so um, you ultimately had both because you had to get back to where you started. Um, But I would, yeah, I would just ride by myself. And then um, I had a boyfriend at the time and he was really into cycling and he is from where I grew up and he was the one who had encouraged me to start racing. So he took me to my first race and um, that's how I got into the racing aspect. But I was in a really, really tiny town and I was, I think the only person with a bicycle. <laughs> so, <laughs> Tell me about your first race. My first race was in New Mexico. So it was up in like the high desert. It was at close to a little over maybe 1200, 1300 meters. And it was an omnium. So um, 
your placing in each stage mattered, not your time. And uh, it was a little bit of a disaster, like a really good disaster. Like I didn't know what I was doing, but I did really well. So like the first stage was the time trial. I didn't have a TT bike ride. I still had that old felt. Um, and I started the race and it took me like the first mile or so to be able to clip in. <laughs> like I just like couldn't get my feet in and I'm pedaling along. And I ended up I winning the TT and then it was like this circuit race thing. And I remember I went for this sprint for a preem. And I had this huge gap on the field and my boyfriend was like, no, slow down. What are you doing? Like, don't go off the front. And I just like, I had no clue, but it was so much fun. And I just, I really enjoyed that weekend. Um, part of me wonders if I would have fallen in love with cycling as quickly and as deeply if I had struggled in that first race. You know, I have, I have a lot of respect for people who do things that they aren't inherently good at and work to improve and um and yeah so it's just something I play over my mind but it went really well and I ended up really um loving that race and then I I kept doing them did you join a local club I did so I I taught for two years in the middle of nowhere and on this Navajo reservation in a little town called Sanders and then after those two years I moved back home to the Bay Area near San Francisco in California and I joined a local club, um, started with a local team called Alto Velo and quickly moved over to a, a racing team that had like a stronger women team on it um, called Metro Mint. And it's actually um, a team that Katie Hall came out of um, who raced for bowls. And it's a team that uh, had changed its name, but Kristen Faulkner, who's an up and coming U.S. cyclist also came out of. So um, they kind of showed me the ropes and, and, taught me more about the tactics of racing and, and all those important components. Did you have lots of women to ride with? Yeah, I think that's what's really special about where I live back home is there's an incredibly strong group of women that are all very supportive of each other. So like I said, Katie Hall used to live there. Um, Kate Courtney, who's going to the Olympics for the U.S. for mountain bike, um, also lives right near me. Um, and then there's lots of just really strong women riders who don't race anymore or who never have raced, um, but really can push you up the climbs or, or push you during a ride. So it's a really great group of, of female cyclists. And um, I think that's pretty unique to where I live. Yeah, I think that must be great to be part of lots of really good female riders. Definitely. And it's, it's also nice because we support each other off the bike too. Like we'll go over and have dinner or just kind of hang out. And um, it's nice to have both of those components. When did you realize that you had a real talent for cycling? Um, it never was like a total light bulb moment. It was just kind of like, oh, I knew I was ready for the next step, each step of the way, like each mm -hmm. category, I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm a cat three you know, I think I can be a cat too. And then, oh, I can be a cat too. Oh, I think I'll be a cat one. And I don't think I ever really had any aspirations of being a professional on my own. I just didn't know what that entailed at the time. And it was actually um, from this Metromint team, one of the women's um, husband really encouraged me. She's like, you need to go to nationals for the time trial and see what you can do. And, um, 
as a complete amateur, I think I placed six that year and the U.S. always has had a really, really strong field of time trialists. And that was enough. I guess that would be my light bulb moment of I can do this professionally. And um, and it was a light bulb, I guess, to other teams to say, you know, this rider should be part of the professional peloton and give me the chance to, to start to do this as my career. So in 2015, you competed in the World Championship Team Time Trial. How did you become part of that team and how did the event go? Um, That was a really special experience in a lot of ways. So after the the good Nationals Time Trial result, I was picked up by, at the time, a team called 2016, which is who I rode for for this Team Time Trial. And so the contract was for the following season for 2016, but they allowed me to, to race since it was a time trial and I proved I was strong in the time trial as a stagiaire for that race in 2015. So um, it was a little bit of emotional roller coaster for me. I was with these really experienced riders and I was this newbie who was kind of tossed into the middle and um, it was pretty overwhelming just because you know, I didn't want to mess anything up and I didn't want to disappoint anyone. And, um, I was really nervous and on race day, I think what's so special about team time trials is you're all in this battle together. And the only way it's going to work is if every single person is committed to this, to this solitary goal. And, um, I always feel really excited when I race team trial time trials, because I know I have my whole team hundred percent behind me. And I am 100% invested in my team. And um, so the race ended up going really well. I think we finished fifth, I think. I don't remember. But I just remember we were so excited um, just to have accomplished what we accomplished. And and for me, that was essentially my first real professional race. It was was pretty exciting for me. Yeah, it must have been crazy for you to sort of think about that you go into the world championships and think about a few years before you then just sort of got into cycling it must have been an amazing achievement for you did you feel any sort of pressure before you raced um mostly the pressure was just from myself of I didn't want to be the person to mess anything up you know like what if I was the fourth rider and I was getting dropped or you know I I just had a lot of fear of of being the weak link. And I think that drove me to, to really focus and really prepare to be able to give my best. And I was able to do so on that day. And, and it was just a really great moment with the whole team. Is it hard, do you think, to be the new person in the team? I think it is always a little bit difficult, but I also think it depends on the team. I think if you have, um, like a really supportive team environment, generally they'll be really open and inviting. And, and um, I think those feelings of I'm the new person, you know, like you would think maybe as you get older, you grow out of these feelings of like, am I going to be accepted? Am I going to have a place here? But I think that's just something that sticks around no matter when you join a new group, that apprehension. And I think if you're on a really welcoming team, those feelings die away really quickly. But um, at least for me, I tend to always have those feelings in a new place. I always am a little, I'm the person who's a little timid at first, a little shy, and I need, I need to kind of get a sense for what this is going to be before I really open up. And, and that's just how I am. And um, 
I think uh, it's great. You know, it, it makes me really um, pay attention to what's going on. And I think that's mm-hmm. a good thing. So tell me more about your first professional team that you joined and how that came about. Uh-huh. So I joined, so I joined the 2016 team after that nationals. And what was so awesome about it was Kristen Armstrong, who is the Olympic gold medalist for the time trial multiple times. Um, she was my teammate. And so uh, watching her, how she prepared for races, how she trained, um, her attitude towards when she was defeated, her attitude for when she won, really taught me a lot about, um, you know, what is it like when you're expected to win? Um, how do you handle the pressure? I just learned a lot of lessons from her just by watching. Um, I also learned a lot because it was an Olympic year and Olympics is always a very stressful time and um, watching how she dealt with all the, the pressure and the selection process um, definitely uh, enabled me to maybe uh, anticipate what was going to happen for this Olympic selection that I got to be a part of. Yeah. Do you remember the first time that you raced outside of the U S yes, I do. <laughs> I raced in uh, Ardèche in France. Um, and I like was just really over my head and, um, we were racing for Allison Jackson. We wanted to get her the sprint Jersey and, and things were going really well. And, um, in one of the stages towards the end, there's like this downhill with this really, uh, smaller radius, whatever it's called, decreasing radius turn. And you like, couldn't really tell. And there's crash there every single year that they use this downhill which is almost every year and I was the one to crash on that downhill and I didn't end up finishing the race because of that crash um but it was really eye-opening to me about this is what the European peloton is this is how you participate in it um you know like the roads are so different from in the U.S. and um I'm really grateful I got got to see what that was all about very like early in my my career how did you find the traveling? Because obviously you were living in the U.S. It must have been pretty difficult to travel across. Yeah, for me, the travel, the travel itself isn't hard. What's hard for me, especially now, since I'm mostly established in Europe most of the year, um, at least for the cycling season, it is, it is really hard to be away from home. It's hard to be away from your family and your friends and and they all have jobs and there's this nine hour time change. So, you know, when I'm going to bed, they're in the middle of their work day. It's just hard to find time for some meaningful connection. And mm-hmm. um, that being away from home is for me, the most difficult part, the travel itself. I don't mind at all, but you know, my teammates go for a block and then they go home and they get to, to hang out with their families for a couple of days. And they're like, Oh yeah, I was just home a couple of days, but those couple of days are really refreshing if you don't get them ever (laughs) so for me that's the hardest part (laughs) you mentioned the roads are different in Europe how are they different from the U.S. most of the races in the U.S. there's a couple exceptions but most of the races in the U.S. are on these much wider boulevards Um, they're much more like I don't know for lots of better words safely engineered you know like in the in Europe all of a sudden you're like doing these twists and these turns and you're just like 
who made this and why is this here um, in the most amazing way? But we just don't have that in the U.S. because our country was built so much later, especially out West. And um, everything is just kind of more um, boring. <laughs> it's just these big, wide roads that we're used to racing on. You've had some amazing results in the individual time trial, including fifth in the 2018 World Championships in Austria and seventh in the 2019 World Championships in Yorkshire. First, can you talk me through your fifth place? Yeah, um, my fifth place was a surprise for me. I had no idea what to expect. It was my first World Championships. um, And I was just so excited to be there. really nervous before the race, like in the days leading up to the race. And something I've kind of discovered about myself is I get really nervous the week before the race. And I'm, is this right? Is that right? What should I do? And then I ask a million questions and kind of figure it out in my head. And then on race day, I'm generally really calm. I've done everything I can do to prepare. And now it's just time to race. And so that's kind of what happened at that race. And um, I just felt like I, I felt really good in the time trial. And I felt like I put forth my best race and I was really excited not only to finish fifth, but I was like six or seven seconds or something off the podium. And um, that was very eye-opening to me. Um, that was much more of a light bulb moment than that first national. That was the moment where I was like, I really do belong here and, and I'm, I'm strong enough to do this. And um I just remember being so excited and a lot of my friends had flown over from the U S um, and were there at the finish line. And so that was really special to be able to, to share that with them. In 2019, the world championships were in Harrogate in the UK and the weather wasn't that great for that week. How did you prepare for the event and were you happy with your results? Yeah. Harrogate was definitely a different beast for me. Um, I feel like I prepared really well. I um, was living at the time with my teammate, Lizzie Banks, and she lives out in Sheffield. And so it was really easy for me to go out and ride the course. And I knew that course like the back of my hand. I knew how I was going to attack the hills. I knew my strategy to how I was going to do this race. And unfortunately for me, about, I don't know, 10 days, maybe two weeks beforehand, I started getting this numbness. Um, when I rode my bike that went down my my right leg and I didn't know what it was and I kind of tried to like tell people something wasn't right and they kind of chalked it up to I was just being nervous and everything would be okay and um, on race day like I really just couldn't feel my right leg very much while I was pedaling and um, really felt disappointed because I had felt like I had really prepared hard for this race and um, I was having some form of injury that was preventing me from being able to show all this hard work I did. And, and after having such a, a, a surprising race the previous year in Austria to like not be able to go out and, and feel like I put my best foot forward was pretty disappointing. And in the end, I ended up having like a pinched nerve problem and kind of like sciatica and it made just my leg go numb and I got some treatment back home and then I ended up being fine. But I just remember, I just felt really disappointed after that race. Mm-hmm. I, I really had hoped for more. And if I had felt like I had done my best race and gotten seventh, I don't think I would have been 
so disappointed, but I felt like I wasn't able to show what I had prepared for. I know you competed in the Giro Rosa in 2019 and had some great results, including twice being second in stage one and stage eight. Talk me through that and how you found racing in Italy. First of all, I absolutely love racing in Italy. It's probably one of my favorite places to race. Um, The stages are always interesting. um, And I just love being in the country um, there. Um, Stage one was really special because uh, we were, so I was on Bigla pro cycling at the time. And we were kind of like this small team, kind of all of us were new to to racing. And um, (laughs) we were doing the team time trial. And unfortunately, one of our riders kind of popped off on the first climb. It was a very hilly team time trial. And like we were going down the descent and we were just kind of all this this mess, right? And um, on the final climb, I think I led the whole last five or seven K. And one of the riders, um, I think it was Elise, she was the fourth rider. Like she was the one who kept getting popped off and she would get back on and I don't have eyes behind my head. So you're listening to the radio and your director is telling you, you know, what to do. And they would say, okay, accelerate. So I'd accelerate, but like Elise didn't have enough time to recover at all. So she'd like pop off and, you know, like it just wasn't perfect. And uh, we just thought we had done horribly. And um, when we crossed the line and then everybody else finished to find out that we had like kind of scratched and clawed our way to second was, was really exciting and I think all of us were really proud of the fight we put in even though it wasn't tactically pretty or perfect um I think we we really all gave our best and um, to be rewarded being able to stand on the podium was really special and then stage eight was also really special because that day in the car I said there's going to be a break today and I'm going to be in it (laughs) and I think there were three breaks that day and I was in each one and it was the last break that stuck and um, Lizzie Banks was, was with me in the break and we kind of tried to do a tack counter tack thing and her tack, she had a fabulous attack and, and it, it went and then um, it was really fun defending her move from behind as she was giving it her all pushing on, you know, every, everybody who attacked, I was right on their wheel and kind of shut everything down from behind and um it really felt like a, a team win for Lizzie. And then for me to be able to get second um, to top it off was really special. So stage eight was a lot more tactical. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it definitely was. <laughs> you also won Tour of Scotland in 2019. How did you find riding in Scotland? I really enjoyed Scotland. It's not somewhere I had ever really had on my radar. And I thought it was just absolutely beautiful. I mean, for some reason, we were there in the middle of like this torrential downpour because they had to like change the courses. And at one point, we like literally rode through a pedal, uh, like a puddle that was like our pedals were going through. It was like super high. And I just remember bursting out laughing because it was just so ridiculous. It's like you can't do anything but laugh because literally we're in a flood. And um, so I don't think it's generally that wet, even though it's probably very very wet um but scotland was wonderful and it's a country i definitely have on my list to go back and explore more of 
You had a great time trial success at the 2019 Pan American Road Championships, taking the gold medal. How did it feel to win that event? That event was really important to me because one of the benefits and curses of being a U.S. rider is that we have a very strong time trialing group of riders. And going to Worlds, there's only two spots generally. And one of the people who goes is the person who wins nationals, and then they select somebody else. And then if you win Pan Ams, you get a third spot. And so, and it's, that's your spot. And so because it's so competitive in the time trial out of, I think, five of the top five of us, all of us have finished within the top 10 at Worlds. Um, so, you know, trying to win nationals is, is almost like a world championship. You obviously don't have the Dutch there, but other than that, like most of the people in the top are from the US. So um, it's just really competitive. So I worked really hard and really targeted that race. Um, and it was really hard because it was at, what was it at? It must have been at like 25 or 2,600 meters. It was ridiculously high. And um, I really just wanted the, the knowledge that I was able going to be able to go to Worlds and just to prepare for Worlds rather than thinking about how I was going to have to fight for a spot. And so being able to win um, was really great. And um, I'm really uh, glad I was able to pull it off. I, I dug really deep at the end of the race. Uh, I remember like I had counted how far riders were in front of me. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I have, like, I have to dig. And um, I feel like I gave it my all and I was really happy that I was able to to cross the line first. As you spoke about before, you split your time between California in the US and Girona in Spain. I understand that these are both amazing places to ride. Tell me what you love about each of them and why. I'll start with back home first. Um, I think that both the Bay Area where I live, kind of the South Bay, um, and then a little up north where my parents live in a place called Sonoma County, are probably the best places to train in the world. They have everything they have. I mean, they don't have hour long climbs, but you have up to 45 minute climbs and you have flats and you have rolling and you have um, steep climbs and not so steep climbs. And you can pretty much find whatever you need to do your training. And then something else that's unique to those places is that the terrain and like what you see changes constantly so on a bike ride I can start out in like grassy fields and then go through a forest of oak trees and then I descend out and I'm on the ocean and then I come back through these giant redwood forests and it's just different all the time and I love that I love that I get to see new things I love that it changes I love that I can change my ride depending on how I need to train that day or how I feel. Um, there's not that much traffic. It's just wonderful. It's by far my favorite place to train. Um, Girona is very different. Everybody loves Girona and I'm probably the person who's most critical of it. I, I think it's good. I like training there. It's a good home base when I'm in Europe. Um, but for me, I think because of where I come from, it gets a little monotonous. Um, 
I also, though, haven't explored enough. I know that there's amazing, for example, gravel riding. And I don't have a gravel bike out there, so I haven't really explored those aspects yet. And I think if I were to do that, I would fall much more in love with with the riding there. Where were you in early 2020 when you found out about COVID-19 and all the restrictions on travel? So I was in Girona in my apartment and uh, another U.S. rider, Skylar Schneider, who was riding for Bulls at the time, was with me. And I remember uh, Danny, the director from Bulls, was sending Skylar home and I was just so confident. I was like, I'm just going to stay in Spain. It'll be fine. I'll go to the market. I'm going to stock up on food. And, you know, like, I need to make Spain more my home. And this is my opportunity to do so. And I remember thinking that I think it was a Thursday. And we went, no, it must have been a Tuesday, because we went to the market on Tuesday. And then the next day, we got up and we walked outside. And like, everything was closed. And there was just lines everywhere. This was before the shutdown, though. Just like in one day, everything kind of changed. And uh, I just realized I don't want to be here. I need to go home. And I was able to book a ticket. And um, this is when we still had, like, we didn't know how it spread. You know, like, I went to the airport. I didn't have a mask. Nobody knew. We just thought, like, oh, you use hand sanitizer. You'll be fine. Um And I just remember, I just wanted to be home. I wanted to be with the people I cared about. Um, And as soon as I landed back in the U.S., I opened up my phone and I read that everything was shut down in Spain. Like, you weren't allowed to leave your apartment. Like, um, I I give everybody who had to go through that um, a lot of, of credit or, I don't know. I just have a lot of empathy for that because... I would have been so miserable. Um, what was lucky about being in the U.S. is even though we shut down too, you know, you had lines at the store, you only went out if you really needed something. We were still allowed to do physical activity outside by yourself. And so that kind of outlet was really important. And in all honesty, I hadn't been home during the spring in the U.S. in years. And it was really nice actually. To, to, to be there and get to spend time with my parents. Um, they, that's who I was living with at the time and, and just kind of um, spend some time that I, I generally didn't have. So for me, it was kind of a nice reset once I was home, but I know others weren't as fortunate. How did it affect your training and racing? I actually think it was really good for my training and racing. Um, it gave me the time to really focus on my weaknesses and really try to improve them. And I really worked hard throughout that period and felt really motivated that, that this was a gift. Um, so that's what I did. I just trained really hard and um, feel like I came into 2020 much stronger than I would, would have been otherwise. Bianchi is one of my favorite one day races. Talk me through being back racing and your race that day. Stradabianchi is also one of my favorite races. And I knew I was really strong in that race. And um, I wanted to really race my best race. And um, I got in the break of the day 
and just was really proud of fighting to the end. It wasn't perfect for me. I crashed in one of the early gravel sectors and had to chase back on. And then I crashed, crashed, I don't know if you watched it on TV, but I crashed when I was kind of off the front. Mavi was way up the road, but I was the second rider on the road. And um, a guy, I dropped my chain and then a guy tried to push me and help me, but my wheel was stuck in the gravel and I had fallen over and uh, rejammed my chain and kind of lost all my, my time that I had, had gained. And um, I just didn't give up in that race. And sure, maybe had I not done that, maybe I could have finished second or who knows, but I was just so happy to be on the podium. I felt like I, I raced really well and I showed all the hard work I had done during COVID. And I was just so proud of that moment. I had no idea that that happened. Like I remember watching the men's race with my family, but there was only like a teeny bit of coverage of the women's race. And it was just Annemiek coming into the piazza and it didn't really Uh show anything else from the race. And it was a real shame. But I mean, I think that this year the coverage has changed and big companies like Eurosport and GCN have started showing more women's racing. Do you feel that as a rider, you see that coverage getting better? Definitely. I feel like every race, like if I'm not there, I can watch what, what happened on online. Um, and the races I'm there, there also, there's also coverage, but before like, yeah, like you were saying, even last year, I don't think that would have been possible, you know? And I think it's beneficial for everyone. It gives fans a way to follow more diligently. Like just looking at the results on paper doesn't show what happens in a race. And it's just so great that women's cycling is getting more coverage and fuller coverage, not just like, oh, we're going to watch the last 20K when somebody's, at least the race has already happened, right? And you're just watching the very end. And so um, I'm, I'm really glad that that part's changing. Yeah, definitely. You now arrived Team Movistar. How does it feel to be part of that team? Um, it's been really great. Uh, Movistar has welcomed me um, with open arms and been really, really kind and really generous. And, um, you know, I ended up going there because I, the team I was going to be on folded in the last minute. And, and so I feel so fortunate and grateful that they saw I could bring value to their team and took me on. And um, it's been a really good year. You've been part of a few different teams. How do you find the different languages and cultures within the team, particularly now that you're riding for a Spanish team? Um, each team definitely has a different vibe to it. Um, I think some of it for sure is cultural, and then some of it is just the makeup of the team. Um, but the fact that I have raced with people from so many different countries so many different backgrounds and so many different just life experiences Mm -hmm. has been really eye-opening. I really am grateful that I have gotten to interact with people from all over the world and and hear their thoughts and opinions and perspectives on things that I wouldn't have been exposed to in, in any other way. And not just like it has to be anything meaningful, but just like like you live with these people, right? And and how people have people's habits are just different. And it's just been really cool to 
to kind of see how how people do things and makes me think about things that I really am glad that I have in the U.S., things that, you know, the way we do things, and then also things that I really wish we would change. And I think having a more, uh, a wider perspective is always a good thing. Yeah. There's been quite a few races already this year, like Omloop Hep Neusplatt, Strada Bianchi and the Age Bastard on the Age. How does racing feel so far this year and how do you feel your role within the team is? I feel like I had a really successful spring and I feel like Moby Star had a really successful spring. Um, I feel like my role was one I kind of had to grow into and learn a little bit. Um, my job is to support Anamique primarily as best I can or Emma um, and really give them as much, uh, I guess, rest, shelter, support until like, until I just can't anymore. And so figuring out the best way to do that has been a learning curve. And I think I've grown into it well and, and really added uh, depth and some strength to the Movistar team. And um, I feel confident that I played a role in, in those wins and those results that we had. And um, that's always a great feeling. You had a great result at Brands Pan finishing fourth. Talk me through that race. Um, that race is really fun. I had, I wasn't expected to do that race and I really love short, punchy circuits like that. And, um, had just come off of a big training camp and was feeling really good and, um, just really was told to race aggressively. And, and that's what I did. And, um, I feel like I showed how strong I was in that race. And unfortunately, I couldn't bring home a podium spot. I just burned one too many matches and just didn't have it at the end. And, um, you know, the people who beat me were all really good sprinters. And that's not my forte. But I um, that was a race that I look back on and just think that was fun. (laughs) It was just a fun day. I think that was the first time that that race was properly televised. So it was really cool to sort of see a sort of new course and it looked like a really cool place to ride definitely it's super dynamic and just like I get I I like it when anything can happen um and that was a race where anything could happen and I love it when races favor um it being hard so something gets away and I just thought the course was really fun what do you like about racing the classics I like that they're unpredictable I like that they are hard, that you have to just dig from somewhere deep inside to keep going. I like that everybody wants to do well. And I also like that you need a little bit of luck, you know, like you might flat in a bad spot. You might get caught up in a crash. You might, you know, anything can happen. And I think when you combine all those things together, it's always just exciting. And to be able to just go out and, and, put your best foot forward um, and just see see what happens. And um, I just think that's really fun. It's not a controllable event. You just got to go. So you've recently been selected for the Tokyo Olympics. What does that mean to you? It means a lot of things. I am incredibly grateful. I'm really excited. Um, I'm still 
processing it, to be honest. Um, it was never something I thought would happen for me. And um, like, I didn't grow up thinking, oh, I, I want to be an Olympian. Um, and as I rose up through cycling, it became much more of a focus. And um, to me, it just kind of is a culmination of all the work I've put in. Um, and that makes me really proud and really proud that I, I get to go and represent my country and an event that at least in the U.S. is just so important. Um, but it's also like been a very trying process. It's you're under a lot of scrutiny. Everybody's watching your every move and, and it's pretty exhausting. So, um, I, there's also an element of relief to it, um, that I'm glad that that part is over and we can just kind of go back to focusing on just racing our bikes. What do you know about the course, if anything? Um, I just know it's going to be hard, you know, like there's the big long climb, um, but the field is so small. It's like, you've already been in a break. And so, you know, like the split of the race has happened. So it's just going to be a hard dynamic race. And then you throw into that, that it's going to be ridiculously hot and humid. And you have all these other factors that um, it's definitely going to be a hard race. And I think, just going into it knowing that it's just going to be hard and you have to really dig with everything you have um is is what you have to do and obviously you won't have the usual olympic spectators as well yeah i actually i when they first announced that i was like oh well you know like that's okay and then when i found out i made the olympic team i was really surprised but i was i was really sad about that you know these my family my boyfriend, these people have supported me throughout my career. And um, knowing that, I know they can watch on TV, but knowing they can't be there to, to see the race and for me to go and give them a hug afterwards or, or um, to share that experience with them um, made me really sad. I understand why it's there, um, but it, it still is it's sad. So is no one allowed to travel with you then? No, um, just the, the few staff members from USA Cycling and then the riders. And there's just very strict rules while we are there about you, like every move we have is already decided in a plan kind of thing. And um, you have to leave like three days after your event and everything's just very strict. Um, and again, I understand why but it's definitely a, a different olympic experience i think than what you would normally have yeah it must be really hard yeah what are the rest of your plans for 2021 uh i get to go back and start racing again soon which will be really exciting we start with or i start with nationals this next week um and then i head back and do la course in the giro and then in the Olympics and then we'll kind of see what the next block is is after that but I'm 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 really grateful to have had some time at home to kind of reset and refresh and I feel ready to go out and race and I'm really excited for the Giro I just it's one of my favorite races and um I I'm just excited to be a part of it again and and then of course I'm excited for the Olympics so there's some great things to look forward to and to aim for these next couple months and um i just look forward to seeing what happens do you have any big goals for the next five years 
um, I do, but they're hard because I, I want to improve, you know, but also my role in cycling right now is to, to be the good teammate. Right. So, um, it's a balance between those, those things. I think what's important to me is to continue to feel like I'm improving and evolving and really contributing to the team result. And um, deep down, I hope someday that those results can be more mine, but it's, they're not right now, nor should they be. And um, I, I just want to make sure that I'm continuing to grow as an athlete and continuing to make these sacrifices worth it and continuing to improve. And as long as that's happening, then um, I feel good about it. What about coming back to Scotland for the World Championships in two years' time? That would be pretty awesome. I don't know anything about the course yet. I have not looked that far ahead, but I really enjoyed Scotland and I would love an opportunity to go back there. Which bike do you prefer to ride, road or time trial? Um, I think if I'm just riding, I definitely prefer riding my road bike. I love the places it can take me and the adventures it takes me on and the things I get to see. Um, for racing, I like both and I really can't tell you which one. Like, I, I know I wouldn't just want to do time trials. You know, I enjoy racing the road enough that I wouldn't feel satisfied with just doing time trials, but I also really love a good time trial. And one of the best parts of living in the UK when I was with Lizzie to get ready for the Worlds in 2019 was I got to do, for example, all the UK time trials. And it was really fun. And the people were so great and so supportive. And, and um, yeah, doing those kinds of events are, are great too. Where do you like to ride for fun? I like to ride... Anywhere that has a new road, a little bit of gravel, and some good views. So <laughs> if you can put me in a place that has those things, I'm happy. And what's your favorite race that you've ever done? My favorite race? I think it has to be Strata. I just think that course is so dynamic and so fun, and anything can happen for real. And... Um, I just have always loved being there. And then Siena is just a, a beautiful part of Italy to top it off. Is there a race that you would really like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, they haven't happened yet, but I'm really excited that Paris-Roubaix will be happening for the women. Mm. And I hope I get to be a part of that, that first edition. And then it's really exciting also to hear about the, the tour de France having a women's race next year um but existing races that I haven't done I haven't done any of the May Spanish races and watching them this year because they have coverage like we talked about um they look really fun and really dynamic so hopefully um maybe next year or something I can partake in a couple of those races and, and fit them into my schedule I can't wait to see the women ride Paris-Roubaix. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I'm really excited that it's still still happening this year, fingers crossed. Who's your favorite current rider? 
you know, you put that one on the question list. And I was like, I really don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't have an answer for you. I um, look for role models as like athletes who really like are open and honest and focus on just getting better every day. Um, and for example, you won't know who this is, but there's a cross country skier named Jesse Diggins in the U S and, and she does a really good job at that. Or, um, I just really find that attitude, uh, uplifting and inspirational to me. And so finding people who, who share their journey like that, um, is what I look for. You might not have an answer for this question either, but <laughs> your favorite rider of all time? Uh, don't have an answer for that one either. <laughs> if I think of one, I'll let you know. <laughs> What's your advice for young riders? I think my advice for young riders would be uh, to work hard, but to be patient and kind with yourself. Um, and to make sure that you're doing it because you're having fun. I think that being passionate about something is what leads to a lot of success. And if you're not happy, even if you are being successful, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing it. So I think finding a way to balance working hard and pushing yourself while having a good time is really important. And, and when you're young, like you don't need to just specialize in one thing. So make sure you're, you're, exploring everything out there and and trying to discover what works for you and I think that that's an that's what you're supposed to do when you're young so mm -hmm. um you know push yourself and and work hard but but explore and see see what the world has to offer you've got five minutes before you head down to the start of a race what's on your playlist to get you motivated I like songs that are just like the the dig pick you up like you can do it kind of kind of songs and um I just have a random collection that I just pop on and whatever pops up is what I listen to so um I literally listen to anything from Spanish reggaeton music to like uh classic rock to to whatever so it's just whatever um fits my mood that day is what I pop on Thank you for joining me today, Leah. Thanks so much for having me. This was great. It was really interesting to hear how Leah started so late in cycling, but yet she's still having an amazing career, and she's even doing the Olympics this year in Tokyo. It shows that it isn't about starting from a really young age, but about enjoying cycling at whatever age you start and whatever your ability. You can find my podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at cycling.talk.podcast, on Twitter at cycling underscore talk. My podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, all the usual podcast places, and of course, my Buzzsprout website. I'd love to hear your feedback on this episode, so please let me know. See you on the bike.